0: Let me batten down the hatches so there no any bleed-over noise. One moment. Alright, I'm back. While I was vacationing, they moved the bus stop to right at, below our window. Mm. So, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit more noise pollution than usual. Hi, Java! Joanna says Hi. She says hi back. Girls, your attention please. Presenting a new exciting radio program, faster than an airplane, more powerful than a locomotive. Impervious
1: Hello, and welcome to the Thought Bubble, a podcast about comics and comics-adjacent culture. I'm Joanna Robinson.
0: And I'm Dave Gonzalez.
1: If you're just joining us for the first time, we're here to answer your questions about all things comics. Dave here is our so-called expert, and I'm your friendly neighborhood novice. But this podcast is meant for comics lovers of all levels. If Dave wants to go in-depth or spoilery about a particular answer, he'll do so in our advanced section that comes at the end of each episode with ample warning. So don't worry. If you have a question for us, please shoot us an email at bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. You can find all of our old episodes at fightinginthewarroom.com slash comics. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. It's Thursday, August 20th. This is issue number 25. I have seen Doctor Strange concept art. And here, I'm here to tell you about it. Yeah. Hello, Dave.
0: Yeah, hi. As that was <laughs> going to be what I asked you sort of about second. But okay, oh. we can start. What do
1: you, wanna, you want to ask me about first?
0: I want to, to know your description of the Civil War footage because that's it, it, uh, interesting to me in terms of closer to being final. It's yeah. hard.
1: Okay. So yeah, I went to D23 over the weekend, which is Disney's sort of mini Comic Con that they have every other year. Um, and since Disney owns Marvel and Lucasfilm and Pixar, um, it's a lot. They they announce a lot of upcoming projects and I sat on the main animation panel and I sat on the main or like watched, not on, and watched the main uh live I was action. on the Pixar panel. <laughs> I was the lamp on the Pixar <laughs> panel. Um <laughs> I watched the live action panel and obviously the I mean, I guess we can stretch and make a case for the animation panel being somewhat related to comic books not really but uh really you know marvel's presentation short as it was on the live action panel is the the most relevant subject for this podcast and i did i saw i mean first of all and most importantly i saw chris evans in person that was very important
0: (laughs) (laughs) just okay we set the life benchmark and we met it Uh
1: um he's i mean it's it's just i will admit that it's kind of over he's just overwhelmingly steve rogersy um you know he was I, i'm i sure people have seen photos he was wearing like the clingiest blue sweater it's just i mean i'm sorry i just had to mention that okay i mean
0: we i i think at some point i mentioned that i was in an elevator with emma stone once during spider-man press so i think we're fine
1: Okay, good. All right. Um, yeah, someone did ask me at the end of D23, you know, because they just paraded out person after person after person at this panel. And they were like, like, Oscar Isaac and Daisy Ridley came out to wave at the audience. And then they left and they didn't say a single word. Um but someone asked me, like, who the coolest person I saw was. And I was like, well, I want to say Harrison Ford, but I just saw him at Comic-Con. And they're like, <laughs> stop being an asshole. And I was like, okay.
0: <laughs> That's how I feel getting text messages from you from Star Wars events.
1: <laughs> okay. So anyway, we're here to talk about the Marvel panel, which uh, they unveiled some Captain America footage and some Doctor Strange concept art uh, were the two two big things that they did. Uh, the Captain American footage, like, I'm sure, Dave, that you've read some exhaustive, like, write-ups uh, from people who are more versed in comics who can pick out what all the details meant. Um, but, you know, so it's flattering that you're asking me for any kind of reaction. But um, I will say that what I saw looks really fun. Um, it's really silly that they're not calling this Avengers 3 because it just looks like an Avengers movie. Um and it was interesting to me that it appears that William Hurt's character from the Hulk film, uh, what is his character's name?
0: Uh, the Thunderbolt Ross. Thunderbolt Ross. Is he well, Captain I mean,
1: General? General? Captain?
0: I don't know what his position is in Civil War, so I'm going to hold off on that, but he was General last time we saw him.
1: Okay. Um, that he seems to be an antagonist, along with you know, to a certain degree, Tony Stark. Right? I mean, I think if we're gonna if we're gonna look at a civil war between Iron Man and Captain America, no matter uh, you know if they're. They both have some sort of right on their side. I think we're going to side with Steve, right, over Tony, because Tony's a dick and Steve is great, right?
0: I mean, presumably, but I've also heard that this movie goes out of its way to sort of present both sides, as, which is uh,
1: the more interesting story. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so William Hurt did a lot of uh, voiceover intoning about. You know, which is similar to what we've seen from the DC campaign for for Batman v Superman, which is, like, some people call them heroes, some people call them vigilantes, you know? Like, um, there's an there's an ostentatious funeral scene. Um, With a certain you
0: know? flag on it, I would imagine. That yes. some people think are, is a spoiler, even though age I works doubt a it. certain way. I
1: doubt it. I doubt it. There's... Um, It opens with a fight with Falcon, Cap, um, Black Widow, and Crossbones. And I I believe this is, like, the most, you know, I don't know. Someone said that this was, like, the first footage they shot or or something like that. But this was, like, an elaborate fight scene uh, that went on for a long time versus, like, the quick cuts that we got later. And... um, you know scar looked great like fighting in her street clothes falcon had like some gadgets that he was working with um you know cap was just Cap. yeah ultimate. one is
0: uh is that his drone is actually yeah. from the comics it was a bird he could t- he was like had a psychic connection to so making it a drone is a good you know
1: yeah it has, a, it has a little name like red wing or something like yeah. that i think yeah yeah um yeah I was paying attention um This is all from my memory. I don't don't even have my notes in front of me. Uh, yeah, and let's see what else. You know, and and just, you know, this is this is my take on the footage that they cut together, which I really liked because just when the tone was getting like. Kind of dark and more antagonistic, more DC than we want from a Marvel movie. That's when Paul Rudd popped up and was <laughs> like, "Hey, oh my God, Captain America, I love you!" And then he, you know, he tosses you know a bone to Scarlet Witch. He's like, "You're great too." Oh my God, hi, okay. you know. And and that's like exactly what we needed. Is the capper of this footage was like, "Oh my God, all these people that we like are fighting each other," um, but Paul Rudd's here and he's going to be adorable. So. Um, it looks like he is much needed comic relief, which is, which is, and a, and like a bubbly kind of comic relief. Because I think a lot of the com the comedy that we've seen from Marvel is dry. You get like you know Robert John Jr.'s sarcasm or or Scarlett Johansson being deadpan, and it's all it works. It's good, but to have this like added element of Paul Rudd just like bouncing around and being really cute is is a is a fun element to that. Um, and the last thing I will say is that we saw Paul Bettany's Vision in a like dapper suit playing chess. So I'm excited for him to I don't know, it looks weird and great. Because I've seen I've seen, you know, uh drawings from the comics of Vision like in street clothes and it looks weird because he's like wearing jeans and it looks so odd. Um but him and like Paul Bettany with his maroon makeup and in, in the suit looked really good. So <laughs>
0: um
1: <laughs> not to get all like objectifying again. Uh yeah, I think that's. Is there? Is wh- what did I miss? What else should we talk about?
0: Oh, I mean, I think that was all the important points uh, that you know, Bucky's going to be pretty. Oh much yeah, evolved. Bucky.
1: Oh yeah, this is the big thing that I learned. Uh, that because they say what your Bucky is a line from the footage that we saw, and the internet just it imploded on itself. Apparently, because I didn't know that there was. I mean, I knew kind of that there was like Bucky's. St- shippers, but I didn't know to what degree. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, people went crazy for just that phrasing. Yeah, we see Sebastian Stan. uh, We see him remembering, you know, we see Bucky remembering who he is and stuff like that. Uh, You know, he he talks about, like, their childhood and Steve's mom and, like, some stuff like that. But, um... Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the your Bucky thing, and then a bunch of like news outlets covered it in this sort of shippy way, which I just didn't know that that was a thing that we should be pandering to. But now that I know, oh, totally. I'll be happy Thank to pander. You. I'll be happy to pander myself. The, uh... I knew about I knew about Hulk an iron man i knew about the science bros i just didn't know about bucky and steve so
0: you yeah especially right now in the comics uh with uh, the marvel universe being split in all these you know sort of else worlds um uh, like all the captain americas are after a bucky it is like so the time for bucky steve shippers this is your this is your year guys you're in it right now 1872 totally like suggest something uh romantic in like an off western way and planet hulk has just done its bucky reveal so yeah captain captain america likes bucky will literally do anything to be by his side
1: great um yeah so that's uh that's civil war I mean, no Spider Man, obviously. Dave promised me that if I went to D twenty three, I'd see the Spider Man costume. I did not.
0: I said that was the, like likely. And no, you
1: promised. You swore. You swore. He didn't. It's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard to nail Spider Man stuff down. We you do know that Tom Holland's in Germany right now shooting more uh, Civil War. So sticky. That's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I saw some headlines that were like Spider-Man's role is going to be bigger than we thought, or yeah, some interesting Spider-Man stuff well, so going that's on. The interesting
0: some- thing is if like there was a while ago when production started on Civil War, the first thing they did shoot was that crossbones Captain America fight scenes. So that's probably why it's closer to being done. Um, mm-hmm. But it's uh, a, a whole bunch of um, things purporting to be the entire plot of Civil War from the script. Uh, sort of made it online, and uh, the teaser didn't necessarily prove a lot of them wrong. It just sort of seems like uh, if that if those plot leaks were the actual plot, that Spider Man is getting like played in more because we're hearing more about uh, Tom Holland's involvement and like seeing his bedroom and stuff now, which uh, wasn't part of what we assumed the plot would be. So things are back on the table and off the table, but I'm glad that it looks, I don't know, promising? I didn't want to put words Yeah, I mean, it
1: looked, no, it looked really fun. I mean, you know that I had problems with Ultron, and, um, but this seems really, uh, I mean, okay. You know, my main problem with Marvel films, as much as I prefer them to DC films, uh, is that, um speaking very generally, is that I think they have a villain problem often. And um, you know, the best is the best villain we've had is Loki because it seems like a villain that comes from character and internally, internally and that sort of stuff. And for this, you know, it's it's all character driven, right? It's all character driven. It's not some Deus Ex Ultron from the sky. And Ultron mm. should have been character driven because Ultron should have been like dark Tony Stark sort of thing, you know, like it, it should have been more connected to the the humans or, or the supers, I guess. But I don't know, you know, that ultra didn't work for me and I am really excited to see like, you know, these guys go against each other, even if there is, or even though we know there is a villain in this film uh, beyond these guys fighting each other. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I, mean, that, I think
0: that's going to be the, the, the onus on act three of this movie I feel is after Tony and Steve realize they're sort of on the same side again, how they deal with Baron Zemo or if he's still a threat, because I feel like, you know, if you front load this with character conflict that we care about and like Bucky comes back and he picks a side and then, you know, Tony's fighting Steve and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh wait, but also we got to go back and finish off Hydra for real this time. It might kill the movie and it's uh, tracks. But you know, like I said, a lot of what we assumed this movie was about, and it may not be about, so lots of stuff still on the table.
1: And I mean, I'm optimistic because I think Daniel Bruhl is an amazing actor, but then again, they've had a lot of amazing actors sort of lost in these Marvel villain roles in my opinion, so, but you know, I am a huge fan of the actor playing Zemo, so, um, yeah, so that's Captain America. Uh, do you want me to talk about Doctor Strange now?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay, um, yeah. So they had like a little video from the set of, or you know, Benedict Cumberbatch is doing Hamlet right now. So from the set of the Barbican Theatre, <laughs> uh, Benedict Cumberbatch did a little intro, which which you can see online, I believe, um, or at least most of it. You know, they really they did release that part, um, but then they just showed a, a large montage of of Captain, oh uh, sorry, Doctor Strange concept art, which. Dave, can I see that online right now?
0: No. Despite what you might have read other places, there is some uh, fake Doctor Strange concept art online right now. So you, you're you the only one that's seen it, Joanna, for real. Just
1: me. Yeah. It was a private screening because they know how much I like Benedict Cumberbatch. They're like,
0: let's show it to somebody that's <laughs> only going to know Benedict Cumberbatch in this footage. <laughs>
1: No, I, you know, can pick out the other two leads. Um so Scott Derrickson uh was there to talk about it and um it was right, I think so. Okay, my space anyway, all right. Point being. Uh the the concept art opens, you know, they're talking about How Dr. Strange is a neurologist, right? And then he gets in this horrible accident and they show, you know, a drawing of Benedict Cumberbatch sitting in a hospital bed with mangled hands. Uh, And then he goes to see Tilda Swinton to, you know, get better, but learns a lot more than he bargained for. And then it just gets crazy. And it's like cars floating in midair and, and Dr., Uh, like, Stephen Strange, like, standing on planets looking into galaxies. And um, there's one shot where, um, because they they kept talking about, you know, they kept talking about the multiverse, which is something that I think, you know, you've been excited to see in this film open up. Um, Yeah. But there's one shot where it's the same figure about 15 times, like, in a row. Um, you know, so I, I'm not quite sure what that's promising. And, um, what was weird though, is the character that, that, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor is playing is the antagonist in theory, right?
0: Uh, yes. In theory. Are,
1: is he ever allies with Steven? Yes. Okay. Because, yeah, there was there was art showing them fighting together. And I didn't know who they were fighting or if they start as friends and then become antagonists or or, or what happens. Um, but that was interesting. The Tilda Swinton art looked, you know, I don't know, uh, decently androgynous and, and vaguely Asian. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, and then there was a lot of red cape situations happening in the art. So, like, get excited for, you know... Cumberbatch to swoop around in a In a red cape Uh, Yeah it looked really cool and just like Bonkers and this is you know this is The degree of weirdness that I think a lot Of people were Expecting or disappointed that they didn't get In Guardians of the Galaxy and once ahead once Again like that's what they're promising is Like this is gonna be the weird One whether or not That that ends up being the case I don't know but I mean from all you told me about the whole Doctor Strange uh, Concept You know, this is going to be the horror film. This is going to be, you know, opening up to a different kind of comic book story, you know, that we've seen. So
0: That's the hope. And then I think the last shot was a motion graphic of him summoning, like, yellow energy, Oh, is is, is
1: important. Okay, I missed the significance of that.
0: Okay, well, it's just you're (laughs) you're the one that knows what that looks like, and that's, like, the thing that he does. Like, if you, like, Google Doctor Strange and uh, hit the images tab, he's going to have like a yellow Yellow circle, yellow glowy circle around one of his hands. That's probably making a crazy finger gesture. And so I'm excited uh, to see the first uh, Benedict Cumberbatch figure doing that. And I'm also, I'm also just in generally excited that that's going to be part of the movie because we don't really know how they're going to deal with magic. Um, And you know, that's the thing that makes me excited is it is so, contradictory to all the other rules of the very scientific-based Marvel Universe thus far. Well, so, um...
1: What's interesting about the art they showed us is, allegedly, that art won't be released until the like art of Dr Strange book comes out. It's from the you know the book that they're gonna put together. Um, I don't know if that's the case. you know you know better than anyone else how this stuff tends to leak online. Um, but but that's really fun. And, and you know, we talked about this before around comic-Con, the uh, degree to which things leak, the degree to which these conventions try to do something special for the people who are there. and d23 did a severe lockdown. On devices, um, you know, in a way that Comic Con doesn't even attempt to do, uh, and and D twenty three is you know is a smaller event, but their you know their major hall is as big as Hall H, so you know has as many occupants, if not a little more maybe, and so you know they had their work cut out for them locking down all those devices, and, and they figured out a way to do it, apparently. I mean, I haven't seen any footage leak online, so...
0: I've seen maybe, in total, 13 seconds of footage from D23. So wow. it's out there, but it's not like uh, Comic-Con where I was just on Periscope just watching it right. along with everybody else.
1: Right. Um, and then the last thing I'm going to say, which has nothing to do with comic books. <laughs> but just because I want to talk to Dave about it, is that Dave, I'm telling you, my number one most exciting project out of D23 is the Jungle Book. Oh, Jungle...
0: who told you that going in? You, you did. You told me. That's you right. right.
1: You're right. Yeah, man. And it's because of you that I recently watched the cartoon. So I was like primed for it. Um, yeah, the footage is amazing.
0: So good. Um, and. Will re reclaim you, racist Kipling? Yet, yeah, I think so. I don't know.
1: Um, yeah, that was, was a deep really, cut
0: uh, literature reference for. No, people, I get like, it. Okay. White
1: white white man's burden. I get it. Okay, good.
0: Uh, <laughs> I just want to make sure, like, listeners. also. Sometimes I forget people listen to these conversations we have. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Back. I'm back. Yeah. But yeah. Jungle book. I mean
1: the the Jungle Book. Yeah, written by written by Rudyard Kipling. Uh, is not our, our finest example of, of a diverse tale necessarily. But yeah, I think that, I mean, I know John Favreau's like a white dude, but I think I think it's been redone in a really good way. I mean, based on what I saw. You can't really get much better than Bill Murray as Baloo, like singing Bare Necessities under his breath. And m- more than that, though, is like the, I know I've talked about this elsewhere, but the way that they reorchestrated Bare Necessities as the score of the footage that they showed us, I, like it, it made my heart do things. I mean, I've always loved that song, and they just made it into this like booming, epic, sweeping like soundtrack, and I just I got over the moon excited. So, peace dragon on the other hand looks like a hot pile of
0: garbage. Okay, um, the, with the feathered dragon. No, right? the feather
1: dragon. Okay, the feather feather dragon does look cool. It's more furry than feathered. It looks like
0: it's okay, furry. All right.
1: Um. No, that part is fine. It's the it's the feral child. I don't know that Pete was like a feral child raised in the forest by this imaginary dragon. And Jessica Chastain is a uh, an intrepid park ranger who finds him. And it's just like I don't know.
0: Well, first, piece dragon didn't really scan very well with the kid story either. So at least that's consistent.
1: Yeah, wasn't he like he ran away from an orphanage because there were bad guys after after him i believe I so
0: it's either that or i just confused james the giant peach and pete's dragon again Gosh, <laughs> you, uh, this is yeah that's a problem that i have
1: But i mean basically we see him like escaping from a mental hospital it looks like i mean it looks like return to oz or something like that like where they try yes, to like <laughs> but not dark not in a dark fun like wheeler sort of way and no Mombi. and anyway okay so that's my d23 report
0: yay right?
1: Yay. Um hey Dave, I have another question for you. Yeah. Have we seen the Daredevil season two costume online yet?
0: No, we haven't. That's the season one costume.
1: Okay, guys. If you saw a Daredevil costume floating around, photos of it, you're and thought it was season two, you're not a dummy. I'm not gonna no, call you no, a dummy.
0: No, no, because the people are feeding this with headlines like first yeah. look at the Daredevil. What happened is the Daredevil Twitter account has been tweeting teaser images. Two of them thus far might have something to do with season two. Uh, probably the one with the size of alluding to Elektra, and there's a weird uh, lizard shot one. Anyway, but most of them are uh, promotional things that were shot with season one props. Actually, I think all of them are. Uh, and then also what happened is in Las Vegas, the costume designers of Daredevil gave a talk at a panel... And uh, we're talking about designing the costume And showed some photos that hadn't been released to the public yet Somebody snapped a picture of those Tweeted it And it's been uh, removed from context And is supposed to be a look at the new season 2 costume But it is the season 1 costume In both cases um, Down are they the read s- are- stuff on the side of the mask <laughs>
1: Are they redesigning it for... Is confirmed they're redesigning it for Season 2? Because I remember you weren't really a fan of the Season 1 costume, right?
0: Right. I mean, I'm hoping they're redesigning it, but... Okay. I don't think anybody's said for sure they're redesigning it. Today, one of the costume designers got on Twitter and confirmed to somebody who tweeted at her that that was, in fact, the Season 1 costume. Right. uh, Who said Season 2 hasn't aired yet, so that doesn't confirm or deny that there's going to be a Season 2 costume change, but one would presumably because it's marvel and you know they usually tweak it a little bit for the second appearance whether it's just adding reddit to it like they do with the avengers costumes or something else i would i would, I would assume there's going to be a season two costume um but we, we haven't seen it yet everything that's online right now is the season one costume
1: that I would check. be kind of weird though because we only got like the like a, a little bit of the season one costume so it'd be weird to have a redesign already in season two but um, not unwelcome, because I'm with you. I didn't love the, the Season 1 costume. So, you know, any excuse to redesign it is fine by me.
0: Yeah, I mean, it might even just be a subtle redesign where they bulk it down a little bit. Because I think the yeah. first season costume is way too armor-based for story purposes. But when you actually see it, it's like, eh, that could have been better. Um, but, you know, if I'm expecting at least subtle changes just for the fact that that costume was built for one action scene. And now they're building a costume... Uh, for uh, you know, for more regular use, much like the you know, every time the Batman suit gets better and easier to wear for the actor wearing it, I, I would assume just a minor redesign at the least, just to make it easier to deal with.
1: The there's something about the season two Flash redesign, um, you know, because we've seen we've seen what the new Flash uh, costume is going to look like, mm-hmm. um, and it just highlighted something that I didn't notice. As much as they should have in season one, which is basically Grant Gustin gets to wear a hoodie, like it's basically a hoodie. Yeah, what he wears is the Flash, and all the other superheroes must be jealous of of his like really cool street smart costume. Okay, Um,
0: you know what I figured out was Zorro, but we, we don't need to talk about that necessarily.
1: The post apocalyptic Zorro.
0: Oh man, we could talk about the Post-Apocalyptic Zorro. Did you what see that you teaser th- when it leaked in 2013? No. Oh man, you could go on YouTube right now and search for Zorro Reborn trailer and see what 20th Century Fox thought this movie was going to be okay as. Uh,
1: is this is the, this is the guy Gael Garcia Bernal movie? Mhm.
0: Oh, they no. made some test footage with not him, I believe, but it's hard to tell because uh, but it's like a guy with a sword fighting guys with the machine guns, and he has a whip no. that he makes the Z with. Oh, no. Oh, yeah.
1: No, I don't want it. Uh, well, Come on. Come on, I don't want it. Well, it's funny Why? because
0: when I was researching the post dot geek.com on that story, I learned that the um, Zorro Django comic that Quentin Tarantino was writing was actually a movie that he wanted to make, but Sony was waiting to see how the, uh, like, legal fight over the Zoro rights went and it didn't go their way. So they let him let it go. And he made it a comic, but apparently we almost got that as a movie, which would have been sweet.
1: That would have been much better than machine guns. Zorro. Okay. Or Zorro fighting machine guns. Okay. Uh, let's, let's zig back to Marvel television, which is the news that broke today, which is old news made new again, which is that apparently Adrian Palicki is getting, her own Marvel spinoff TV show. Um, she and um, so Mockingbird and Hunter are the headliners of a show called Marvel's Most Wanted, which is which is the spinoff that they're doing, um, or at least they're getting a pilot. Uh, and And we have talked about this before because this was news that came up before. Uh, And it's both good and bad news. Good news because Adrian Palicki is amazing and anything, you know, or Palicki, I don't know. I think we have this conversation every time. Um, Tyra from Friday Night Lights is amazing. Anything she wants to do, I support. But if you remove her from uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I I think you weaken Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.
0: So. The only thing I can think about is why we're getting this now and why we're getting it the way we're getting it is that um – Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the writer's room, got in there and was like, This is all, this is going to be the Inhumans half a season. If you guys need Mockingbird and Hunter, like, go ahead. Because initially the thought was to keep them around to make sure that people tuned in to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah. Um, But now apparently they don't need it. And the only reason I'm assuming we're, you know, it got rebooted is because, um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 3 Secret Warriors is uh, deeper into planning than it was uh, at the end of its last season. So maybe there's there's room. Also I think that Marvel is like ooh maybe we push this whole TV to movie thing too hard. Maybe the money's in TV to TV so maybe we should have more TV shows in our universe. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and the more they want to remodel the ABC shows to more closely resemble the Netflix shows, the better. Like, I still think that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. should have a shorter season. Mm-hmm. And if you want to have, like, then throw in other little mini runs with Agent Carter and this Marvel's Most Wanted. You know, if if every year we get, let's say, four you know, shorter Marvel shows on ABC. I, I would be more into that, that inter that that interconnect with each other in a certain way, as much as Agent Carter can, given that it's said in the past. But, you know, like, I just, I think that is the smarter way to go. I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. struggles to fill all of those episodes, but it has so much goodness in it and, and would be even better if it were just a little tighter,
0: you know? It's getting to the point where Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is, going to do better the less it has in common with whatever else Marvel's doing like the very fact that they're engaging with the Inhumans this far out uh, from the Inhumans movie (laughs) means that you know there's probably very little overlap from universe to universe so I I would like if they just want to have like two ABC shows about spies that occasionally have a character that I recognize I'm like for that now I'd much have them rather do that than have their uh, like entire season altered by a new Captain America movie dropping.
1: Yeah, every time that they had to like bend to fit around a new Marvel release, just yeah, it really gums up the works of are of Shield. It's it's a real it's a real bummer. Um what's interesting, you know, um I was looking at our calendar that we have and its we didn't talk about this last time, but it's kind of crazy. There's no more superhero movies in 2015, right?
0: Oh, yeah. We cleared it with the Fantastic Four. Yeah.
1: The next one's in February, which is Deadpool. Um, it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, a- and... Um, Warner Brothers released a statement about why they pushed pushed Batman V Superman, which was originally supposed to be in 2015 to 2016, which is basically I don't know they needed more time I don't know it was a it was a bullshit reason, but it's just a reminder that Batman V Superman was originally supposed to be in 2015 and got pushed to 2016
0: so yep um only Star Wars. Only Star Wars
1: Only Star Wars between now and, you know, uh, some election talk, I guess Uh, We are going to talk about Batman V We have a spoiler section conversation about Batman V Superman uh, to talk about So stick around, we will get to that a little later Uh, Before we get to that, I have a question for you, Dave Yeah so, Ben, Ben McKenzie uh, of Gotham fame, <laughs> of OC fame, uh, you know, gave an interview with, with uh, Entertainment Weekly, kind of talking about some of the things that he conceded went wrong with Gotham season one, that he thinks they could have done better with Gotham season one. And the main one he said was just uh, basically their, um, push to introduce the villain and then get rid of that like and then lock that villa up and arkham like giving villains basically a one episode arc he felt like it was a mistake and that it was just too much and too crowded and also he said something about scheduling but i i think the the too crowded with villains uh statement is a does statement that we could all i mean even people who like gotham can probably admit that there were a lot of villains um in, in i like how one. you laughed
0: when you Like silently asked, are there
1: people who really like God? I know there are. I know there are, and I know they listen, and uh, they talk to me on Twitter, so I don't want to insult them. Um, Well, my question to you is. You know, if Ben McKenzie saying – I mean obviously Ben McKenzie's not a writer or an EP or anything. I don't think an EP on that show. He has no control over the way the stories are going to be told on this show. But if that interview maybe reflects a change we're going to see in season two, they're bringing in um, Nick D'Agosto, who I really like, an actor, to play Harvey Dent. Like if – And and I believe Jada Pickett Smith is out for season two. Isn't that right? Yes. Um, So if that's the case, I didn't really love what she did in season one. I like her generally. Magic Mike, XSL, she's amazing, but not in season one of Gotham. So if they're going to make some changes in season two, are you, Dave Gonzalez, interested in tuning back in for Gotham season two?
0: Yes, which is weird. There's a, there's a, I mean, I've none of my personal canary viewers, uh, I think, made it all the way through season one. So I got to pick some new canaries for sure. Um, (laughs) Black canaries? White canaries? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Uh, But the interesting thing I think would be that um, if I kind of want at this point, uh, like, if season two does something that means I have to watch all of season one, I probably won't. But if season two is like, yep, all right, we screwed up, but we still have Batman here. So there's no need to like, you know, really dig in with continuity because I think if they go too much the other way, uh, like you really want to, you really want them to hit the, the flash, uh, season one arrow season two balance in terms of cycling in different villains, Um, And then they're also dealing with this whole thing with like a young Batman. So it's like I I kind of, I don't think that the premise has changed so much outside of Penguin's kind of more in charge of the underworld than he was before. Uh, But I think what they really found out there was to focus on, the backstories of the villains because those are the people they could, uh, you know, spend some time doing without uh, infringing upon canon with a young Bruce Wayne or a young Selena Kyle. So I think they're going to use season two to build up the villains of Gotham, or that's how they've been promoting it. Uh, in which case, you know, that's Batman's strongest thing if there's not going to be a Batman. Like, uh, all my favorite. Uh, two parters in Batman: The Animated Series, were like you know, deep cuts into villains, like the Clayface two parter, or like, I
1: was just thinking the Clayface two parter is one of my favorite, yeah. or the Mad, or there's a Mad Hatter two parter, correct? Too. Yeah, those are like uh, two of my favorites.
0: I believe the Riddler introduction is also a two parter, yeah. But uh, like those are the ones where, yeah, because like the great thing about the DC characters is there's so many of the they're like these weird. Eccentricities that became a name that have sort of become a character through comic book history. So I feel like you have a real chance to come up with uh, unique characters in season two of Gotham or unique takes on pre-existing characters. The thing is, I don't think any of those can be the Joker, but and they're going to try that. So it's going to be interesting to see once again if they've learned enough. Um, yeah, maybe maybe is the long answer. Maybe yeah. there, there is things they could do and there are things I could hear that would make me watch all of season 2.
1: Here's what I'll do. I will tune in for the first episode of season 2. I will do that. Okay. If they introduce Harvey Dent cuz they haven't introduced him yet, right? He wasn't in the first season.
0: I don't believe so, no.
1: Yeah, so if they introduce Harvey Dent in the first episode and they get through that episode without making some kind of fucking two-faced joke, they can't even, like they can they're not even allowed to call him like duplicitous like or like, "Ooh, you've got two sides to you." Or any no of none of those jokes. If they just introduce Harvey Dent as a character that we can like and identify with and root for, even knowing that like he's got a tragic future, but like that's the more interesting take. Your jokey elbow nudge, nudge, wink, wink, bullshit, Gotham really pissed me off last season. So if you have learned your lesson from that and stop doing that, uh, you know. But as soon as they do that, I am out. I am turning off the television. So
0: you know, you're really gonna like Daredevil season two. <laughs> sarcasm no not at all okay just with uh how long they take setting up the things that we know have to happen in season two i think you're really gonna like it i know i learned a little bit about daredevil season two yeah this apparently
1: week. apparently maybe we'll talk about it in the spoiler section we'll see. Yeah, we'll see um okay so rolling right along this is the part on the thought bubble where dave and i convince you listeners that ronda rousey is the wrong choice for captain marvel
0: dave would you like to go first Um, uh, Okay, I'm going to try to not take your key argument. Here's the thing, is that you know what uh, Captain Marvel doesn't do is fight people in a ring uh, without (laughs) using any powers. You know what Captain Marvel does do is emote and spend a lot of time suspended in front of a green screen. Um, You don't want an athlete uh, to play a character that's going to be this important. Two female superheroes and... uh, to the marvel universe at large uh so
1: you need someone with chops and i like ronda rousey a lot as a human being the only performance i've seen from her um in a film or a television or whatever was in the fast and furious movie and she had hardly any lines and kicked a bunch of ass and she was but she was pretty stiff and you know as is Gina Carano, both those women are amazing athletes, and I love watching their. I mean, this is going to sound creepy, but their bodies in motion—like that's an amazing thing to watch. It's really, really cool. Um, I've heard some people refer to like the casting of Dave Bautista, and how you know that worked out great. But yeah, that's a different. I mean, Drax is a different character, different kind of character, right? Like, it's just if you if you can think of a female equivalent of that and put ronda rousey in that role sure you know or or i'm looking forward to this movie that they're making about her life where she plays herself like i'm i'm interested sure sure of course but yeah i I mean she's she's not an actress yet maybe someday she will be but she is not
0: you know and this is not a role that you want to stunt cast right Uh, i mean like that would what it would be yeah I mean, I mean, even it took even the Dwayne Johnson, who is by far the best example of somebody transitioning from, you know, a sport into superstardom. Yes, yes, I'm sticking by that. Um, you know, he he had Doom first, so like, settle down, everybody. It's like a developed skill, and you don't want uh, to, to shove an Ultimate Fighter into Captain Marvel.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there are a couple examples of of. Athletes who have worked on their acting and gotten better. Um, I think Dwayne the Rock Johnson is is the best and most charismatic example of this, you know. Or there's people like LeBron James is great in Trainwreck, not a great great actor, but just like really amusing and fun. But yeah, Ronda Rousey, like no, she can be. I don't know. Let's. I don't want to be like she can only be a henchman, but she'd be a good henchman. She'd be a great henchman. That's basically what she was in Fast and Furious. Maybe she was a henchman, basically. But like, she's not, yeah, she's not who I want as our like first female superhero. Um,
0: I Somewhat mean, if she like, wants to be an actress, and she actually is good at acting. I wish her the best in movies yeah. where she gets to be featured doing g- great things. I just don't—I yeah. don't think it, that benefits the character or her as an actress to be Captain Marvel.
1: But physically, great. I mean, Ron Rousey is a fine specimen of a human being and would look great in the costume as that concept art. Um, you know, that was that she posted. Uh, you know made clear yes and
0: what the thing that she is right on about is we are in prime somebody's looking at Captain Marvel's right now time she will be cast when I say this it's not because she's in it but she will be cast by the time Captain America Civil War comes out
1: um the this is like i I think i've brought this up on the podcast before but this is like when all the young actresses in hollywood were bobbing their hair uh right when they were casting daisy buchanan and great gatsby and like a (laughs) bunch of actresses cut their hair short to be like look i can pull off that look and carrie mulligan's like sorry suckers i got this on lockdown all right um we've got an email uh from listener brian and he wrote in to ask us about our thoughts about comic book resurrections um, as they relate to movies and comics. Uh, he says it's pretty much been a staple of comic books for, well, probably since the beginning, to bring back seemingly dead characters. With a new season, uh, we're seeing Sarah Lance return from the dead for at least a third time from Ollie's perspective. Um, and he has had his own share of resurrections. The impending resurrection of Sarah Lance seems one, um, one of the more egregious cases of resurrection of convenience as opposed to uh, a resurrection that was planned all along. Coulson being another obvious example of this. Um, I know this is not isolated to comic books and other TV shows. It happens in other TV shows, etc. But I'm curious as to your thoughts on if how comic book resurrections cheapen the stakes for our heroes and how they might impact um, the ability to get emotionally invested basically in a death. Uh, I'm going to respond really quickly before tossing this to you today. Yeah. Um I think the most egregious example of this, and actually I think we've talked about this on the show before, but um, you know, Dave and I might disagree, but the most egregious example of this to me is American Horror Story, particularly the Coven (laughs) season.
0: That's a good (laughs) scene to bring up.
1: (laughs) Where pretty much every character died and came back, and at that point I just couldn't, you know, like characters got burned to a crisp, didn't matter. Characters got their throats slit, didn't matter. They all came back. Uh, And... Yeah, it was. Uh, it, I, I agree. It, it it cheapens the impact. Used very sparingly, it can work. Or maybe w- I was just like too young when they brought Angel back from from the Hell Dimension on Buffy, and I was like, Oh my God, he's back! You know, like <laughs> well <laughs> like
0: that's, It's gonna that's work, your, it's gonna work your first time, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Um, you always remember your first. Mine is probably Angel. Mine um, was
0: Jesus. Gotcha. <laughs>
1: Zing, um, but yeah, I think I think if done too often, it it can definitely cheapen the impact. Um, with Sarah, I guess I would just wasn't like so shocked when she died. I think there are other examples of deaths that have affected me more, where I would be more irritated if they were bringing them back. I mean, the Colson thing was kind of dicey because I I did get upset when Clark Gregg died in, in Avengers. And so bringing him back as much as I love more Colson and as much, you know, bending as they've done to explain how he came back. It does you know, when, when you rewatch Avengers, you're kind of like, well, you know, it's coming back. It's okay. Um, anyway, Dave, those are my scattered thoughts. Dave, what are your thoughts?
0: Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I think it can only undercut if you're in a situation with, uh, I guess, extreme continuity or if you go too short of a time in between resurrections. I mean, because comic books, it's hard because they've been going on since forever. And I, I consider like every author's arc like their arc in terms of like, unless they reference something that happens before they started writing it, it, you don't have any definitive proof that you're dealing with the same character in the same world, which for like now in hyper continuity world is much harder to argue is the correct way. But at least in the nineties, that's how we read comic books. Uh, Because they would throw us back and forth between different books and like long story arcs. Sorry, I had a Spider-Man Clone Wars flashback really quickly. But um, the I guess the reason I would argue for it is because when it's used as a tool, both somebody dying and being resurrected in the proper setting. It is still magical to this day. Uh, Specifically, I'm thinking still about Spider-Man, the superior Spider-Man arc where Dr. Octopus took over Peter Parker's body and uh, Dan Slott and Marvel are like, Nope, Peter Parker's not Spider-Man anymore. Now it's Doc Ock. Now it's the superior Spider-Man. We're going to do this book. And for like a year, just consider Peter Parker dead. Um, like, obviously, he's going to come back. He's Spider Man. And then, especially, like, when the rights were under debate between all the movies and whatnot, you want to have your Peter Parker Spider Man making money for somebody on the Marvel side. But uh, the way that they, they were able to spend enough time with him gone to sort of define the hero in absence um, and then bring him back in a way <clears throat> that kind of gave you chills because you realized that you had actually spend enough time with him gone to miss him i mean it's sort of like when superman finally came back after the death of superman but more just because you were like thank god there's not like f- five imposter supermans anymore and it's just horrible and like boring and i don't want to have this debate i think it can be done well and like even though you know when one of these major character dies like uh that they're you know not going to be dead forever um, that doesn't necessarily mean that uh the arcs where they're killed or resurrected um aren't especially useful as tools for that character. Like I think that Marvel kind of whiffed the Death of Wolverine storyline just because it didn't feel as momentous until like the very end as it needed to. Uh, and then, you know, they kinda haven't stuck with it. They've had like Wolverines and whatnot, as opposed to something like Batman and Robin which used the death of the Damien Robin uh, as an excuse to pair that Batman with other people throughout that book's run until they brought Damien back which I think worked a lot better is this is really a story-to-story moment but I don't think um, something like Coulson you know dying in the Avengers is going to undo when other people die that That would be if Quicksilver shows up ever again. That would undo it. But I think you know they spend. No, it
1: doesn't. It doesn't undo it. But I mean, like I will say that I think the most frustrating resurrection of this last year. um,
0: This last year
1: (laughs) was Ollie on Arrow because I knew we all knew that he wasn't dead. So, like, so, I mean, then we should never have... Then it, you can't even really treat it as a death. You just have to treat it as, like, a storyline. But just the way they handled it bothered me so much of, of just having to watch all these other characters grieve, but I'm like, but he's not dead, so why are you grieving? And, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's tough. Um, I, but But not all resurrections are bad
0: ideas. For
1: example... John Snow's
0: <laughs> resurrection on Game of Thrones. Your j- presumed, mm-hmm. alleged resurrection.
1: <laughs> it's very important. Okay, sorry. I just had to say that. <laughs> I'm contractually well, we obliged. You were talking John about Stone Jesus. Race. Yeah, <laughs> John Snow Jesus. Um, okay, does that satisfy our, our resurrection conversation?
0: I don't know. I feel like that's sort of a non-answer, but like there are certain wa- I, I guess I think. I, I think
1: the answer is depends. Right, right, and you I'm can not do it
0: I, right, or you could do it wrong. I'm looking forward to Sarah Lance coming back because it's going to involve Constantine being on Arrow and it's going to kick her off into a time travel superhero team up show. So I'm not expecting a whole bunch of fidelity to what resurrection means necessarily in the d c universe. I'm just expecting a lot of fun, I guess, to specifically answer the question
1: i mean fun fun is always welcome
0: yeah you hear me arrow stop
1: it with the stop with the angst please okay um i read a headline today it says something about like you know arrow season four promises to bring back funny felicity i'm like great okay she's
0: gonna happy cry every episode this
1: time (laughs) i'll believe it when i see it okay uh we're gonna hop into a spoiler section now where we are definitely gonna talk about batman v superman and maybe even daredevil season two briefly um but so if you do not want to listen to that, we will catch you next time. Okay. Bye. All right. So Dave. I'm forgetting um, the
0: flipper theme song, but it would be very accurate right now.
1: <laughs> That's my flipper. Whoa, oh, wow. Oh, <laughs>
0: wow. Why have we not discovered this earlier? That I have a flipper imitation. (laughs) That you are basically Ace Ventura Pet Detective.
1: (laughs) No, I learned that from um, Andy McDowell in Hudson Hawk. Wow. She does does a dolphin impression. Okay. Uh, So so anyway, flippers. Speaking of flippers... um, Oh, God. What is- Michael Shannon. I was got like, what's that? I got locked in name? a porta potty. I got there. Okay. Michael Shannon got locked in a porta potty, could not get out because of his prosthetic flippers. This is an interview he gave on so the now set th- of
0: Batman v Superman. Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> not, uh, you know, randomly in a bar, uh, but on the set of Batman v Superman. So we know that General Zod will have flippers. In um, Batman v Superman Dave this ties into something you already knew What is that? Well not
0: flippers But General Zod's body becomes Doomsday For the final act If we are going to Just get to the end of Batman v Superman Do you That's want to remind
1: what... us who Doomsday is?
0: Um. Uh, well Doomsday in the comics Was the person who killed Superman He was a rock alien That was unkillable That beat Superman to death Uh, Superman did manage to kill him but Sense has become like the thing That you put in your Superman fiction because He's the guy that killed Superman So somehow this character from the 90s Got elevated to like The Brainiac Lex Luthor level Simply because he, he Punched Superman to death that one time but uh, I'm sorry. That's very bitter. I mean, the, he's just a character with, like, bones and rocks that are coming out, and he's an unstoppable force, and I understand why you need that, and it's definitely powerful to have something like that in a Superman story. It's just weird. They're going to use him in the movies now as an excuse for Batman and Superman to stop fighting and for Wonder Woman to power herself up.
1: Oh, alright. Right, right. I think you did tell me that she- that's where you mentioned it before. That you, I think you told me that Wonder Woman is fighting Doomsday in the footage that we see.
0: Yeah, that's the thing that sort of that makes her that like like hits her, and she's like, "Oh no, you
1: didn't! I am coming back stronger." That that shot.
0: At some point during the movie, um, Batman and Superman are going <laughs> to slap enough sense into each other that they're going to realize like a Justice League uh, of mutual accountability is needed, and in order for that to happen, they're going to need a third party.
1: Is it going to happen right after Superman rips the top off of the Batmobile? Batman gets up, they make out, and then they decide to form the Justice League? Is that that when it happens?
0: That would be nice. Somewhere around there, uh, Lex... I mean, because Lex Luthor is basically turning Batman against Superman. Uh, But uh, when that... He's like
1: Grima worm-tonguing him, right?
0: Exactly. When that doesn't work, he's going to go after Ma Kent and reveal that he's not only discovered like the idea of kryptonite uh, which he I think shows to Bruce Wayne because Bruce Wayne has a kryptonite uh, gun but uh, also has been developing the kryptonite I believe from Zod's body which he then resurrects into the doomsday creature and so I don't think it's going to have flippers but I think Michael Shannon talked around the idea that he doesn't necessarily have full use of his hands and whatever prosthetics we're going to see him in but I don't think he's also so is playing he, the was thing he, that he, they're fighting. I think he's just like a stage two the thing that they're fighting because uh, I don't.
1: Right. Because the thing they're fighting is probably CG, right?
0: I mean, I would assume so because right. I have Michael Shannon standing around for a second movie in his gray motion capture underwear uh, after, <laughs> you know, he already was very not c- complimentary about it the first time. <laughs>
1: um. All right. And then uh, what do you want to tell me about Daredevil season two, man? Oh. Um, uh, what can you tell me about Daredevil season two? <laughs> on air. Nothing? It's okay if you can't tell me anything uh, on me, air.
0: Let me, th- let me think. Um, the relationships between <laughs> the characters we saw in the first season and the new super characters that will be introduced in the second season, maybe as villains? maybe it's just sort of everybody's midway between justice and crime on this one the interpersonal relationships between the characters are going to be a slow burn that makes this season as much about what it is to be a hero as last season was with Wilson Fisk versus Matt Murdock does that help <laughs> was that very that was that vague enough but also intriguing
1: uh, no it just sounds familiar it's funny it's funny to be on the other side of someone dancing around spoilers so. okay uh, um,
0: yeah we could talk about it more but I'd really like to get out of this calendar year just so I don't feel like I'm ruining people's fun oh no 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 well let's table it it's fine <laughs> <laughs> but if you're looking for uh, slow burns on villains uh sorry gotham season two but it looks like that's going to be like daredevil's purpose is the what makes a villain versus what makes a hero cool. i don't know if jessica jones is also going to be picking that up we got some leaked episode titles uh this week uh but that would be you know That'd be an interesting thing for the Netflix series to engage with, since they're allowed to be dark. Is also allow their heroes to constantly be in between vigilante and hero.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for that. You're welcome. Teaser.
0: I'm sorry no one got directly punished in the spoilers, but you know that might have happened in in between the lines. Uh-huh.
1: Uh <laughs> All right. In the meantime. Where can people find your work on the internet?
0: You could find my less ambiguous things at geek.com, dot com, <laughs> Forbes dot com, Latino reviewcom dot com, and on Twitter at da seventy, as well as this and uh, other fine podcasts at fightinginthewarroom.com. dot com.
1: Uh, uh, you can find me, Joanna Robinson, on vanityfair.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This or you can listen to me talk about television in general on the station agents. The or this last week, the I was a guest on the slash homecast uh, talking about and career stuff, kinda. So you can check that out. Um, that's about it for us this week. We'll see you next time. Bye!
0: the bees are buzzing in the tree to make some honey just for me when you look under the rocks and plants and take a
1: glance at the fancy ants and maybe try a few
0: the fair necessities of life will come to you They'll come